I wanted to share <coughs> this morning about God's Word because I believe that God's Word is living and active and it's still relevant to, for today. But many people sitting in churches today don't know that God's Word is still relevant. They go to church because it's a, it's a thing that they do or they go to church because it's a great performance. But it's been said that the biggest dust storm in history would happen if Christians picked up their Bibles at the same time and started reading it. And it's probably right. I don't know how many Bibles you have at home. I've got all mine on, on iPads and online and stuff now, but I believe the Bible is a big deal and it can affect our lives. Do you believe that? So I want to look at that now because this is not just idle talk. We're not just waving these little things around and printing them for no purpose. There is a purpose that we can reach our nation with the Word of God. So 2 Timothy 3 says this from verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing... Uh, from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Now listen to this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, I pray that as we talk about the word, as, as we share about the Word of God, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that we would concentrate on your Word and make your Word part of our lives. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for some of us, the Bible seems daunting, I'll agree. And for sometimes it's overwhelming, confusing. Some people think it's irrelevant. But that's not how God sees his Word. Uh, Paul used a word in that particular passage in 2 Timothy 3. He used the word theo, theonustos, which is a Greek word which means breathed out. Some, some scriptures say all scripture is inspired by God, but the actual word is breathed out, actually breathed by God. It's the very breath of God. It's not inspired by man. It's not a collection of works. It's not a bunch of opinions. It's not Facebook in a cover. It's the breath of God. And according to Paul, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. The Bible is, is an underutilized powerhouse. And we don't realize the power that we hold in our hands when we hold a Bible. Because this can transform our lives and it is the answer to our nation's dilemmas. But we misunderstand the Bible, don't we? There's lots. If you get on any of the social media sites, you'll see people arguing about all sorts of scriptures and stuff like that. We misunderstand. Here's some things I've found that children think are written in the Bible. There you go. This could be scary. Uh, Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. I like this one. Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. <laughs> I'll move right along. Um, when Mary heard that she would be the mother of Jesus, she went out and sang the Magna Carta. A Republican is a sinner mentioned in the Bible. Sinners and Republicans. No Democrats in the Bible. And I like this one too. The first commandment was when Eve told Adam to eat the apple and man has been taking commandments ever since. That's what children think is written in the Bible. But statistics are suggesting that Bible reading is at an all-time low. In 1960, 9 out of 10 Australians owned a Bible. But by 2010, less than 8% read a Bible frequently. Now, interestingly, during the pandemic... People say, I don't read the Bible because I haven't got enough time. How many of you have heard that? 
How many of you have said that? I've got enough time to read the Bible. Well, during the pandemic, when we were locked down and bored out of our brains, Bible reading went down. Okay, it actually dropped in the US at least by 26 million. Netflix went ballistic and Bible reading went down, largely ignored. Donald Whitney said, No spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's Word. Nothing can substitute for it. There is simply no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of milk and meat of the Word of God. There is no healthy Christian life. If you want a healthy Christian life, you have got to get this stuff into your spirit. They're not just words. It's important. And the Bible is not just another book. According to the National Reading Survey... 92% of Australians are classified as readers, with 75% having read at least one book in the last year. How many of you have read a book in the last year? See, we're, we're a nation of readers. But the Bible's not just another book. 2 Peter 1 verse 21 says, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of God, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible is inspired by God. So the Bible, while written down by the hand of man, was authored by God. And the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit of God is the author behind, behind the Bible. And so the Holy Spirit is sometimes referred to the breath of God, because all Scripture is God-breathed. See, the Bible is not just another religious book like the Koran is to Islam or, or the uh, Bhagavad Gita is to Hindus. It's not like the Book of Mormon. It's not the individual writings of Joseph Rutherford or Charles Taze Russell, which is the Jehovah's Witness guys. It's not Mary Eddy's Christian Science or L. Ron Hubbard in Scientology. It's none of those things. Nor is the Bible a great work of literature like Homer's Odyssey or Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. You know, many people say, oh, it's a wonderful piece of, of literature. No, it's not. Nor can it be thought of as an old book that's unrelated to our modern day because we've got science now and we don't need the Bible. We've got the internet now and we know everything, don't we? Instead, the Bible is God's word for our lives. And without it, our lives have no meaning and no purpose. It contains the very words of God, teaching, history, poetry, prophecy. Indeed, it is life itself. It outlines God's roadmap to salvation. We would not know about Jesus were it not for the word of God. We would not be saved were it not for what is written in that book. Therefore, Paul says, it's profitable. And some translations say useful. So it's beneficial and advantageous to our lives. It teaches what is true. It reproves what is not true. It corrects and instructs us on how to get and stay right with God. What could we say except that the Bible is the inerrant word of God and it is as relevant today as it was centuries ago? It really is. People think, oh, that's, that's an old book. We don't need that. But yeah, we do don't we? People throughout the ages have tried to ban it, burn it, vilify it and outlaw it, saying that it would never last and yet it is the best-selling book of all time. BibleGateway.com has been viewed more than 14 billion times. Voltaire, the French philosopher, claimed in 1776, he said this, 100 years from my day there will not be a Bible on earth except for one that is looked upon by an antiquarian curiosity seeker. He said, the only Bibles that will be left in 100 years from, from today will be Bibles that are in a museum somewhere. Only 58 years after he made that statement, his very house, Voltaire's house in Geneva, became a storage house for evangelical Bible societies' Bibles. 
God had the last laugh. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your, your word is fixed firmly in the heavens. So while people continue to scrutinize the Bible, trying to find fault with it, the Bible has stood the test of time. It is the anvil that has worn out the critics' hammers. As Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. My word will never pass away. So I want to tell you this morning why I believe the Bible is the word of God. Because I do. People say, you don't believe that stuff, do you? I say, yes. I believe it is truth from cover to cover. And I'm going to tell you why. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm a bit of a science nerd. Anybody here a bit nerdy? A few? And I like, yeah, I can see those hands. I like... What's a nerd? If you don't know what it is, you probably are one. Just, just saying. Um, but I like to prove stuff. Like I don't like to just accept stuff. I like to prove stuff. And so I, I, I sort of decided to sort through the claims and counterclaims and to try and find the truth about the Bible. I want to give you some reasons why I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Number one, the Bible is accurate. There are hundreds of examples from the extra, of the extraordinary accuracy of the Bible. From simple things like the Bible talked about a group of people called the Hittites. Nobody had heard of them, nobody believed them until they found evidence elsewhere that confirmed that the Bible was true. And there's countless examples like that. Right through to prophecy of current world and future world events. If man wrote the Bible, there's no way it could accurately predict events that would happen hundreds or thousands of years in the future. And these are not vague words. They're not just weird words that you can sort of twist around and make it say what you want to say. They are literal fulfillment. I was, was listening to something the other day where someone was, was, was coming out with all these words of wisdom, just all these words were throwing them out there. And I thought, this is not wisdom. This is just a bunch of words. And it was weird. The Bible is not weird. Fulfilled prophecy reveals that the Bible is God's word and it's divinely inspired. There are hundreds of fulfilled prophecies and there's many yet to come. So, mathematician Peter Stoner compiled the probabilities of just eight prophecies about the life of the Messiah coming true in Jesus. So, he just picked eight. There's, there's many, many more prophecies that came true. He just picked eight prophecies and, and figured out the mathematical probability of them coming true in one man, Jesus. And when he worked it out, the probability was one in ten to the 17th power. We don't even know what that looks like. That is too mind-bogglingly big for us to understand but to give you an idea if we covered half of Queensland with dollar coins 60 centimeters deep and we marked one and asked a blind man to choose one at random and he got it right that's the odds <laughs> I mean that's pretty pretty mind-blowing isn't it and that's only eight of the hundreds of prophecies that are in the Bible Romans 15 4 says for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope so I believe the scriptures are true I believe they're hundred percent true the second thing is that the Bible is archaeological there exists overwhelming archaeological support for the historical accuracy of both the Old and New Testaments archaeology has proven the Bible's historical accuracy Therefore, the Bible gives us the most accurate historical accounting of past events. It even surpasses great books that were written at the time. Because the, the Bible is infallible. 
The Bible is historically accurate down to minute details. Now you think about it, with all the archaeology, I mean you've seen Indiana Jones, there's archaeology everywhere, right? With all the archaeology going on in the world, hundreds of sites right around the world, and none of them have ever found something that has disproved the Bible. All those sites, all those years they've been doing it, nothing disproves the Bible. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. I love that. The third thing is the Bible is topical. Now, unlike most books of antiquity, the Bible talks about current issues, things we are talking about today. Jordan spoke about it earlier, about this whole identity thing. Ten years ago, did you think you would be sitting around talking about identity? Like, like it, it just, it's just it's the newest thing and everybody is, is trying to change everybody else's identity or saying they have the right to change it. I'm telling you, whether it's prophetic words about how the world ends or whether it's attacks on morality, life hacks or how you can live a great life, the Bible is the word of God for our generation and every generation. It is never irrelevant, even in our modern generation. I read this interestingly in my quiet time during the week where God says to Israel, Hosea 8 verse 12, so this was in my quiet time, were I to write for him my laws by ten thousands, they will be regarded as a strange thing. Doesn't that sum up our world? They think it's all a bit strange. For some Christians, they look at the moral dilemmas society is posing now and wonder how, what God thinks and how they should react. Read your Bible. I remember when we had the plebiscite a couple of years ago, people said, I don't know which way to vote. I said, can't you read? Because it's pretty clear. It is really pretty clear. And that's why I think Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If we want to see clearly ahead, we must make the Bible central in everything that we do. Because it shines its light onto everything. The fourth thing is the Bible has a purpose. God's promises... Uh, God's word, he promises that his word has a purpose and a point. It's not the ramblings of a wise man. Have you ever heard so-called wise men? And have you ever, like, I'm not knocking any particular other religion, but I listen to some of their wise men and I just get confused. I listen to some Christians, I get confused as well. Um, But, you know, like, there's a lot of sort of airy-fairy, fluffy stuff you can say. That's not what God's word is about. It's practical. It's right here and now. And it accomplishes what he desires. Isaiah 55, 11, So is my word, God says, that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return for me empty, but shall accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The fifth reason I believe that the Bible is the word of God is that the Bible is alive. The Bible is the word of God. And there's two, there's two words in the Greek that are used for, for the word. One is Logos, the other is Rima. Logos is the written word of God. What you have in your Bible is the written word of God. That's the Logos. But there's another word called Rima because sometimes that written word comes alive to you. Have you experienced that? It just jumps off the page at you. A verse or passage of scripture that the Holy Spirit brings to your attention and you go, wow, that speaks right into my my situation. I was was going in for this um, little minor operation during the week and I was a bit nervous because I don't like doctors very much, <laughs> other than you, Colin, and Francois and the other doctors that I know. But, but, you know, I don't like facing an operation and, you know, it's unpleasant. 
And I was a bit nervous. And I opened up my Bible to have my quiet time. And all these verses came out encouraging me. And because God does that, his word comes alive to us. Most often the, lo- the word logos is used for the Bible or for the word. Such as in John 1, 1, Jesus becomes the word. That's the word logos. 1 Peter, 2, uh, 1 Peter 1, 23. Since you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding logos word of God. But rima is when the logos comes alive and is applied to your life. And interestingly, Ephesians 6, the sword of the spirit. That's the word rima. So it's, it's not just the, it's not saying pick up the written word of God and slice people with it. It's saying it's that, that word that comes alive is the sword of the spirit. And also Matthew 4, uh, where Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every rima that comes from the mouth of God. So what I want to do in this message this morning is I want to take my favorite passage on the Bible and pick it apart. If you've got a Bible with you, which I hope you do, some of you have this memorized, good for you. Hebrews 4.12 and it says this, for the word, logos, of God, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirits, joints and marrow, it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What a verse, I love that verse because the word of God is living and active. It's not so, we put it on a shelf and it just sits there. But if we let the Word of God be living and active in our life, it will transform us. That's what that verse says. So let's pick it apart. The word logos, the written word, is made alive and it becomes rima word when it's made alive. And when it says made alive, the word is zeo in the Greek, which means breathing and real life. So it's like, it's like this, this book that's there, life is breathed into it by the Spirit of God and it becomes alive. That's what it's saying. And then it says it's active. It's living and active. The Greek word for active is energes, from which we get energy. So when it says active, like it's a powerhouse. It's like, it, it's like it'll zap you. You know, it, it contains energy. That's what we're talking about with the Word of God. Then it says that the Word is sharper than a double-edged sword. Now, the sharper comes from the word temno, to cut. And it means it cuts. And then it says it penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit. The penetrate word is merismos, which is dividing asunder or cleaving. So it doesn't just stick in, it cleaves and separates. That's what it's saying. Um, Vincent says, uh, the form of expression is poetical and it signifies that the word penetrates to the innermost recesses of our spiritual being. The sword cuts through joints and marrow of the body. This verse then says that the word of God Cuts, cuts us right to the quick. Have you heard that expression, cuts to the quick? The Word of God can do that. A word in season can slice our spirit open. And then it says it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, the word judge is interesting because in the Greek, it's the word kritikos, from which we get the word critic. Everybody's a critic these days. Don't believe me? Get on Facebook for two minutes. Everybody is a critic. But this is God judging or criticizing if you like separating in our life the bible judges the thoughts and intentions of our heart now think about it what does it mean to divide soul and spirit well what's your soul your soul is your mind your will and your emotions and your spirit is that part which communes with god so the bible can separate your mind your will and your emotions from your spirit it can divide those 
This is great news because three of our biggest ongoing problems as human beings are our minds, our will and our emotions, aren't they? Think about it. Our mind tries to confuse us, fills us with doubts. We talk about paralysis by analysis. The more we think about it and study, the more confused we become. Have you ever experienced that? Sometimes, sometimes our mind just gets in the way. But what about the second thing, our will? Our will is set diametrically opposed to God. We want what we want. And we don't want what God, we want what we want. And then the third thing is our emotions, which are too often control us to our detriment. That, of course, would never happen to any of you here, that your emotions would, would run out of control, would it? Good. So it judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Not just our thoughts, but the intentions behind it. What this passage is saying is the Bible cuts straight into our souls, straight into our spirits, and it starts to pick apart the bits that are confusing for us, the bits that are controlling us, the bits that we're... We can have, we can have victory over our emotions. We can have victory over our minds. We can have victory over our wills. How? By the Word of God. When you put this stuff in you, it makes a difference. So what it's saying is it penetrates deep into your soul. Have you ever experienced, uh, re you've been reading the Bible and a, a passage just jumps out at you. Have you ever experienced that? You know, we used to say, how do you find God's will in the Bible? We used to have this, this joke, you know, we'd get the Bible and we'd open it up and we'd say, open it up and go and read it. Have you ever done that? No, of course you would never do that. But it's the old joke we used to tell, you know, where we, we open the Bible up and we go, what's this, this, this you know, um, Judas went and hanged himself. No, let's try another one. Go ye and do likewise. Okay, no, that's, you know, that doesn't work. You know, we, we can misuse the Word of God at times. Have you ever felt your soul slice open by the Word? Maybe you've, had, you've been in a message and something the pastor has said and, a verse, and it just hits you. It hit, I've had many people say to me, uh, they come up to me afterwards and say, you're not going to believe when you mentioned that verse how it just impacted my life because God gave that verse to me yesterday, last week, earlier in my life. You see, God's Word is living and active and everything is laid bare before the Lord. You can't fool Him. You can't pretend. You can't fake it till you make it because He knows. So we need to get it right. If you feel confused, He discerns your mind. If your will is against God, He puts you straight. If if you're emotional, he soothes and settles your emotions. The word of God is living and active. That's why Psalm 119 verse 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth grow strangely dim. There's a lot of junk in this world that needs to grow strangely dim. If we're open to it, the Bible can speak to us every day. So I want to finish up by talking about making His Word your Word. Making the Word of God His Word for you. Colossians 3.16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I think we should have the Word of Christ dwelling within us richly, don't you? I really do. I'm convinced that the Bible is not only true, not only infallible, but that it is God's living, active, penetrating, exposing, inspiring word to each of us right now. And I think we need the word of God more than Facebook. I think we need the word of God more than CNN. I even think we need the word of God more than the Premier. 
I know that shocked some of you. So right now, I want to open up and share some of my personal walk with the Word of God and how God has, has you know, worked in my... I want to be honest with you and expose to you what's, what goes on in my heart when I read the Word of God. See, almost every day, pretty much every day, the Spirit of God speaks to me directly from His Word. And I'm trying to make it a practice. I don't make any more big decisions in life unless I get a direct Word of God. And he speaks to me all the time. We don't make decisions in this church randomly. We make them based on the word of God. And, uh, you know, there are many ways God can guide us. You might, there might be an opportunity. Circumstances guide you. There might be, you know, a word from someone, a prophetic word. Maybe someone gives you good advice. But all of those, to me, hang on the word of Scripture. If I get a word of Scripture that confirms it, I'm going for that with all my heart. But I don't believe in using God's word as an offensive weapon against God to get your own way. What am I talking about? So many people say, I want to do this, or I'm going to claim this, or I'm going to do this. And so I'll diligently search the scriptures to find a verse that'll make God do it. Because he can't deny his words, so I'm going to make him do it. But that's not how the word of God is living and active. I don't search for the verses that speak to me. They just pop out. But I have to read his word every day. If you never read the word, you never get the verse because you're not reading it. So that's where this is so powerful to me. I'm not going through trying to search things that will give me what I want or support my ideas and try and make God do my will. I'm just saying, Lord, speak to me. And he speaks to me almost every day from Scripture. And I'm an old school evangelical, believe it or not. I believe in reading God's word every day. I believe in quiet times. Now, you might, some of you might not have quiet times at your house. It's so rowdy. But I believe in spending time with God every day. And I believe in systematically working our way through the Bible. And this is what I do every day. And out of this habit, God speaks to me every day, often in powerful and directive ways. Remember, all scripture is God breathed. So I love to read the Word of God every day. Um, if you read God's Word every day systematically, I promise you, you will grow spiritually and be led and guided by the Holy Spirit. You'll be taught new things, reproved or corrected, whatever you need, and God's rhema word, the logos that impacts your life, will happen to you all the time. So every day, every day I get up and I have a shower I make a cup of coffee, I make Fiona a cup of tea and I sit in my favourite place and I open the Word of God and I work my way through a systematic Bible reading plan. Is that boring? You might think that's boring. I don't care because this is life to me. Every morning I do that. Now some of you here, let me share with you something really exciting that, that God spoke to me some years ago and I wrote down a Bible reading plan. We don't plug it very much, but it's on our app, it's on our website. And I, when I wrote this down, it's really interesting, God spoke to me, and this was right when I first uh, stepped into this role of, of pastor, and he said, I want you to write a reading plan that, that most people can do. Because reading plans are great. I, I used to read the Bible in one year, but you've got to read four or five chapters a day. It's a lot of work. Um, Josh was telling me he's decided to read the whole Bible in 30 days. That is awesome. No, 30 days? Three months, 90 days, I'm sorry. 
He's reading the whole Bible in 90 days. He should read it in 30, but anyway, he's reading it in 90. Um, but that's, see, God's spoken to him about that. On the same weekend that we have the Gideons here, we're talking about the Word of God. God speaks to him and says, I want you to step it up and read the whole Bible in 90 days, right? But for me, I wanted a Bible reading plan that we could all do together. And so what I did was I designed this plan, I prayed and I let God shape it. And what I wanted to do is only read two chapters a day because that's sort of more doable than four or five chapters a day. And I wanted to hit the highlights. So if you love Leviticus, you're not going to like this Bible reading plan. If you like skin diseases and stuff like that, you're not going to like this Bible reading plan. But if you want the highlights, all the awesome things that happen. So it's the whole of the New Testament, all of the Psalms and Proverbs, and then like most of the Old Testament, but minus Leviticus. I was telling the worship team earlier, my, my daughter, uh, Christy, she read the Bible very early on, maybe five, six years old, she read the whole Bible. And she used to carry it with her everywhere. You'd always see her reading the Bible, and it was awesome. And then a, a few years later, she said, Dad, I'm going to read the whole Bible again. I said, that's fantastic. I'm so pleased. That's awesome. And then she came to me sheepishly a few weeks later, and she said, Dad, do you think God would mind if I skip Leviticus? And I kind of went, I'm sure he can handle that, sweetheart. Just move right on, you know. But I designed this reading plan because God spoke to me and said something that we can all do. And if you don't have a reading plan, I want to encourage you to do it. It's on our app. It's on our website. We can give it to you in a paper form. We can email it out. Just come and join us. It's reading two chapters a day. But I guarantee you, if you start doing this, your life will be transformed. God will start to speak to you every day. He's done it all of, all of my married life, at least, since I really committed my life to the Lord. I started to do... I sadly got involved with a bunch of guys called the Navigators, and they're Bible crazy. And they made me do... I remember the first time I went, I was at a Navigators conference. I'd never read the Bible before. And I'm at this conference, and they said... They had this little pamphlet, you've got to do seven minutes with God. And, and we came back a couple of weeks later. They said, how'd you go with your seven minutes with God? I said, not good. They said, I know, it's really hard to do. I said, no, no, no. I can't cut it down to seven minutes. I'm up to about 50 minutes. And um, because I just love the Word of God because of what God says to me out of it. It's life to me. When Fiona and I lost everything some years ago, you probably know we, we made a lot of money, then lost it all. And it's pretty sad to lose everything, including your house. And uh, it, was a, it was a pretty tough time. But as we were going through that, God spoke to me straight out of Joel and said, I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. So even in the midst of our darkness, as that little lady said there on the screen, in the midst, God was close to the brokenhearted when she was brokenhearted. And I tell you, that verse has carried me through. When I became a pastor, I did so after a direct word from God. And that's kept me going in times of, of great stress in the ministry. I've had people tell me, you're not called of God at all. You're a lousy pastor, you shouldn't be one. And I say, well, that's take it up with God because he's the one who did it. <laughs> and I don't say that lightly. I got, I, was, I got stuck in Nehemiah while I was pondering whether I should become a pastor or not. And verse after verse just exploded into my brain. Like Nehemiah 2.20, then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we, his servants, will arise and build. So many areas of my life have been influenced by the Word of God. But not by me searching out verses trying to make it fit my own ideas, right? I just read the Word of God every day 
and God speaks to me. Rema words jump off the page. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And I want to ask you today, are you rightly handling the word of truth, God's word? Will you commit to me? Commit to him, but commit with me to read his word every day. I'm I'm not going to bring you forward this morning. I am going to ask you, this is between you and God, but I'm going to ask you to commit to reading the Bible every day. You might say, I can't do that. I haven't got enough time. Can you watch TV? Do you ever watch TV? Do you ever watch a movie? There's time that we could use for greater good by reading his word. If you want it, you will make time for it. And with the Bible reading plan that I'm suggesting that we have on our website and our app, it takes you a few minutes a day and yet it will transform your life. You cannot read the Word of God over and over, day after day after day, and stay the same. It's impossible. You have got to grow in the things of God. So I want to challenge you. Some of you here have done this before, and you've got a little bit slack. I want to ask you to recommit to doing it. Can we make the Word of God central in our lives? Can we make this part of our every single day? Remember Joshua going into the land. What did God say to him in Joshua 1.8? Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You want to be prosperous and successful? This is the way. Would you bow your heads? Father, I pray this morning as we've centered on not just the Gideon's ministry but on the word of God, Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. Father, I know that there's so much in this world, so many people talking about so many things, so many pressures, but in the middle of it, Lord God, I pray that you would call us to be committed to reading the Word of God. I'm not going to bring you forward, but I'm going to ask you to pray right now with me and make this commitment. I don't make this idly. I do not promise God in an idle way. I do not... I do not say things to God that I don't mean. But some of you here want to grow in the things of God. I I believe all of you do. And I don't care if you've been on the road for a year or 50 years. We can all continue to grow. We cannot grow without the milk and the meat of the Word of God in our life. We will starve to death. So if that is you, and I pray that it's all of you, I'm going to ask you to commit to reading the Word of God every day. Will you do that? I tell you, it is the best life you will ever know when you read the Word of God every day. So pray this with me. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for my slackness. But right now, Lord, I commit myself to read your Word every day. I commit myself to put your Word in my spirit every day. And I pray, Father, that you will multiply this commitment, that you will speak to me and lead me from your word, and that you will guide me into the truth you have for me. We're just going to sing as we wrap this service up. And I'm going to ask you, as we sing, I'm going to ask you to, if you've prayed that prayer and you mean it, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. And together we are going to commit ourselves to reading the Word of God and making this central in our lives. Making this...
the crux of everything that happens in our life. I guarantee you, you cannot read this without growing. As we sing, if you've prayed that prayer and you mean it, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are.